tonight and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 24. The last chapter in the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 24. And tonight I'm preaching on this subject, Our Ascended Savior. Our Ascended Savior. From the book of Luke, chapter 24, and I'll begin to read in verse 50. Luke chapter 24 and verse 50. And the Bible says, And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Dear God, put your words in my mouth, and your thoughts in my mind. And Lord Jesus, I must decrease and you must increase, and I confess the devil is a defeated foe. In Jesus, you are Lord of all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our Lord Jesus was born to die. The Scripture teaches us He was born to live again. And the Scripture teaches us He was also born to leave. And here we have a record of our Lord Jesus Christ leaving earth and going back home. Can you imagine the heartbreak in the angelic band that worshipped our Lord Jesus Christ around the throne when they saw Him leave His throne and turn the stars into a staircase? and come down to this sin-cursed earth to rub shoulders with sinners? Can you imagine that day in heaven when our Lord Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Seems to me that the flags of heaven were at half-mast, and how the angels looked, grief-stricken and horror, the Son of God, bearing in His body the sins of the world and accepting and satisfying the wrath of God against sinners. And then they lay Him in that grave for three days and three nights. But up from the grave He arose. And our Lord Jesus in a resurrection body walked for 40 days upon planet earth in a glorified body. He had walked through the wall, sat down and eat, and then walked back through the wall. He taught... His men, he ministered, he performed miracles. But there came a day when it was time for him to leave and to go back to heaven. And I've often wondered what that was like when our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was headed back for the Father's house. Can you imagine the angels lining the street of gold? Can you imagine that angelic choir getting all tuned up and suddenly those angels near that pearly gate began to cry, here he comes, here he comes. And as King Jesus goes up through the cloud, he walks through that gate of pearl, bearing in his body the scars of an old rugged cross. And those angels began to sing, and those saints began to cheer. This doctrine is called the Ascension. Now, I want to draw your attention tonight to some specific truths in this Scripture that 
I believe resonate in the hearts of Christians right now. First of all, I want to say something about how Jesus left. I want you to notice how he left. The Bible says in verse 50, he left in the act of blessing. The Bible says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and then he lifted up his hands. And the Bible says, as he went up, he's just continually blessing them. We overlook that. We just think, he went up in the air. But these folks who had walked with him, he's blessing them, blessing them, blessing them as he goes up into the sky. Our Lord Jesus Christ lived his life doing that. Our Lord lived his life being a blessing. I think about his teaching. What a blessing. One day somebody turned to somebody else and said, never a man spoke like this man. He speaks with authority. I mean, he told them the real true way of salvation. What a blessing. He told them how to have a marriage. What a blessing. He told them how to forgive your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Root out bitterness. Go the extra mile. Our Lord Jesus Christ told them how to train up their children in the way they should go and even how to overcome anxiety and worry. He said to all you, my children, who are getting ready to have a nervous breakdown because of the pressures and the burdens of life, let's go outside here. And he said, look at the flowers in the field. Look at those wildflowers. They, they don't toil nor spin, but look how beautiful they are. Nobody even plants them on purpose, but here they are every spring, and God gives them exactly what they need to live and to thrive. And he said, look at those birds. Those birds don't have a soul. But God cares for those birds and He feeds those birds and He's provided everything for them to live and to thrive. And He says if God cares for the flowers and takes care of the flowers and they're not worried about anything and yet the flowers have no eternal soul and God cares about those birds and they're not worried. They're not on some psychologist's couch having a nervous breakdown. They're not worried about anything. They're not having an anxiety attack. He says, and God takes care of them, and they don't have an eternal soul. He says, don't you think that the living God of the universe is going to bless and meet the need of His children that He has saved by grace through faith? And Jesus just went around blessing and healing people. Think about that. He's teaching. He's preaching. Our Lord Jesus Christ had given that message of salvation, but there's an old leper and he hadn't hugged his wife and kids in many a year. And he has to cry and clean everywhere he goes. And everybody gasps because Jesus doesn't just speak a word. Jesus reached out there and touched him. And when he touched him, all the leprosy went away. That, he blessed that man. One day a man sitting on the side of the road, blind, born that way, begging, no hope. And the Bible says Jesus spit on the ground made mud pies with the spit and dirt, rubbed them on the man's eyeballs, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and when the mud washed away for the first time in that man's life, he could see. So the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and the good news that I bring tonight is the Jesus that went up blessing the Jesus that lived his whole life on planet earth blessing 
is in this building tonight and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's here teaching us through the Word of God words that give us life. And I want you to know he's healing the emotions and the sick bodies of his children in answer to prayer. And I want you to know he's saving lost souls who cry out for mercy. And those of you whose backs are against the wall, who are under tremendous pressure, the living Jesus is in this place tonight lifting up holy hands and he is blessing his children. So I just want you to know how he left. But then I want you to notice something else. I want you to know where Jesus went. Notice what the word says in verse 51. The Bible says, Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. The Bible teaches us there is a place called heaven. It's a place. He came from that place, and he went back to that place. Now, why did he go back to that place, and what's he doing in that place? Well, the Bible teaches us he went back to that place because his earthly task was finished. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he cried, and he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He had paid our sin debt in full. In fact, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, He by Himself with His own blood purged our sins. And then, what did He do? He went back to heaven and Hebrews 1 3 says, He sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, in the Old Testament, the Bible teaches us that that high priest would go into that holy of holies once a year and he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat, the lid there on the, on the Ark of the Covenant. And God would look on the blood and he would grant forgiveness to the people on the basis of that sacrifice for another year. But there was no chair in the Holy of Holies. There was no place to sit because the work of that human priest was never finished. I mean, every year he's having to go back in there. But then our great high priest arrived on the scene. And our Lord Jesus Christ, hanging on that cross, shedding his blood, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Bible says, as he was dying there, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom because God's the one that did the tearing. When God Almighty looked on the blood of His Son who was dying as your substitute on that cross, He reached His unseen hands down and ripped into the veil that had separated sinners from a holy God. He accepted the sacrifice. And I want you to know when Jesus Christ went back to heaven having satisfied our sin debt in full, the Bible says He sat 
down because the work is finished. They'll never crucify him again. Your sin debt's been paid in full. You don't have to have the Lord's Supper every week to have your sins forgiven. Be baptized to be forgiven. Jump a pew to be forgiven. It's done. It's over. Calvary conquered death, hell, and the grave. Let me tell you, I'm talking about where Jesus went. He went back to heaven because his earthly mission was finished. He also went back to heaven to begin his high priestly ministry. The Bible says, sitting at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 7.25 says, He ever lives to make intercession for us. There's someone in heaven in a glorified body that walked on this earth and has felt every pain and disappointment you've ever experienced who is praying for you by name. The Holy Spirit's in us praying. The Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father praying. So when I don't feel like I'm getting the words just right and I don't know exactly what to say and my heart's hurting so bad I can fumble or not say anything but the living Lamb of God is interceding in our behalf. Intercession is praying for what somebody else needs. Jesus is praying for you. And let me tell you, his high priestly ministry involves something else. The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 that he is our advocate. An advocate is an attorney. Someone who pleads a case. You go to court, you've got an attorney. You don't plead your case, he pleads your case. He shows the evidence. He, he seeks to secure your release. And the Bible says our Lord is our advocate. Now, we, somebody may say, well, why do we need an advocate? I, this, is, this is something I don't totally understand, but it's just true because it's in the Word. Somehow, some way, Satan has access to come before God and he accuses the brethren. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's what he did to Job. He said, God, the only reason that he loves you is because you have blessed him. You take away those ten kids. You take away his finances. You take away his health. And just leave that old mean wife behind and I'm telling you, he'll curse you. But the Bible says he didn't curse God because God knew Job better than the devil knew him. So the, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. Now we may have some folks here that think they're perfect, but nobody's perfect. And, and I'm just telling you right now, I'm glad God loves without conditions, aren't you? And he knew what he was getting when he got me. And, and I'm telling you right now, I stumble and fall. And, and there's nothing we can do that will diminish the love of God for his children. So I'm glad he loves without conditions. And the devil accuses us. He says, look at your, look, look at your, you call him your child, look at Herb Revis down there in traffic in Jacksonville, Florida. Did you see him doing that to that guy that cut him off? Did you see the look he gave that cantankerous church member when they turned and walked the other way? Did you see that, God? 
Well, that really did get quiet in here, didn't it? We all fail. We all fail. But the Bible says, I have an advocate, and it's the great high priest. And every time the devil accuses you, the Lord Jesus Christ raises up his nail-scarred hands and he shuts the mouth of Satan and says to the Father, he's one of ours, she's one of ours. They're washed in the blood. I paid their sin debt in full. They are forgiven. And the devil heads back to hell like a scalded dog. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about where Jesus went. He went back to heaven. But he not only went back to heaven to begin his uh, high priestly ministry, he went back to heaven to prepare a heavenly residence for us. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. He was raised in a carpenter's home. And in those days, you didn't live in your parents' basement until you were 33 playing video games in your pajamas saying you couldn't get a job. I mean, they raised you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you learned your dad's trade. And when you study that word carpenter, you'll find they did more than make furniture, they built houses. In fact, one day, the community was so amazed at Jesus teaching, one, somebody said, isn't that, isn't that the carpenter Joseph's son? Jesus was a carpenter. Those hands built houses. The Bible says in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I am building you a mansion. I am building you a house. My friend, when you look at the Biltmore house that was made by man, can you imagine that house that's been fashioned by the great carpenter, the Lord Jesus Christ, with those precious hands that created galaxies and canyons and mountains. Jesus Christ is building you a mansion right now. He's building you a mansion right now. He's building you a mansion right now. And I do believe in once saved, always saved. I don't believe there's a half-finished mansion. I don't believe they got it all the way, but it's up for sale because that old boy didn't make it. I'm telling you every child of God has a mansion where they're going to live forever. I'm talking about where Jesus went. He, he went to heaven, the Bible says. I'll tell you another reason, to send down the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, the Bible says that he gave this great word about the Holy Spirit being, being a living water, a fountain of life. And it says in John 7 verse 39, this spoke he of the Holy Spirit. But He had not yet been given because Christ had not yet been glorified. And He said to His disciples, it's to your advantage. That's what He said in John. It's to your advantage that I go. Because right now I'm confined to this human body, but when I go up, the Holy Ghost is coming down. And He is going to indwell every believer. I'm going to, they're going to be sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, which means an orphan, but I will send another comforter. And that word another means another the same kind. The word comforter means helper, one who is called alongside of to help. You're not on this journey by yourself. 
The Bible says you got the Holy Spirit. Every saved, born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit. And He's been called alongside, not just for the ride, but to help you. There was a sweet missionary. We call it Iran today, but it was in the day when it was known as Persia. And this sweet lady was teaching the Word of God, reaching out to the ladies in the community there where God had called her. And one Lord's Day, she had ministered all day long and she had been from one, one ministry opportunity to the next and she was exhausted and her back was just about to kill her. And yet she had one more Bible study to teach and it was their custom to sit on the floor. Not in chairs, but on the floor. And as she sat on that floor, she was in excruciating pain. And one of the ladies from the village sensed it and eased over and eased her back up against that lady's back and whispered to her, lean on me. And if you love me, lean hard. And I want you to know, my friend, no matter what you're going through tonight, if you're sick in body, if it's a financial issue or something with your ministry, the Holy Spirit of God is in this place. He says, lean on me. And if you love me, lean on me hard. Give me the whole load to shoulder. Well, I talked about how Jesus left. Then I said something about where Jesus went. But now I want to say something about what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants. I want you to look there in verse 52. The first thing he wants is joy. There's a great absence of joy in churches today in the Christian faith. Somebody has told, especially Baptist folks, that reverence and death are the same thing. There's a sad bunch of people walking around. They look so miserable. And it's contagious. You know, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, one day I was reading through that thing, and they got those gates hung, and the walls were rebuilt in 52 days, and it was a miracle, and they began to read the Word, and all the people began to weep and to wail. And Nehemiah said, stop the weeping and the wailing. It's time to rejoice. And he gave them the secret that motivated him to do in 52 days what they had not been able to do in decades. He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible says there in verse 52, they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem. The Bible says with great joy. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And joy is not connected to my happenings or my circumstances, but comes from within. And it's that realization that I'm in the palm of His hand and everything is okay and I'm going to make it. And in the midst of my mess, God's at work causing all things to work for His, my good and His glory. And so I rejoice. I tell you, I've been... I got something to rejoice tonight. I was, I was born up in the panhandle of Texas. I mean, there's three trees up there. And they're so wind-blown, there's not a leaf on them. There's not a ditch that's got water in it. Sweet folks, but flat. 
And yet the Spirit of God tracked me down in the middle of nowhere. As a church member resisting the Spirit awakened me to my lostness. And I cried out for mercy. And I want you to know in a home that was messed up, Jesus Christ saved me and He didn't change my circumstances, but He changed me in the midst of my circumstances and the joy of the Lord began to flood up through me when I got true salvation and I made a determination. I'm not going to be controlled by the grouches and those that complain and those that are mad and sad every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before I was going to hell but now I'm going to heaven my name is written in the Lamb's book of life rise and shine and give God the glory joy and and, and you know that little word that little word joy people say well that means Jesus others and you and that's a good formula but I'll tell you one day I I, I, I got pointed out another way. I was reading along in some book somewhere. And he said, J stands for Jesus. And Y stands for you. And that O in the middle, that stands for nothing. And joy comes when nothing stands between Jesus and you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Tell you something else the Lord wants. He wants praise. The Bible says after they got blessed, see, see, when you've been blessed, you desire to bless Him. Notice the Bible says, and they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Blessing Him means I ascribe worth to Him. I say good things about Him. It's not mindless noise. I praise Him because He's creator and sustainer and redeemer. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. He knows everything. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is spirit. He is light. He is life. He is love. He is holy. He is just. He is grace. He is merciful. And He has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ to save sinners from hell. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. He doesn't want a church full of the living dead. He wants a church full of worshipers. Tell you something else he wants. He wants obedience. Now notice the Bible says in verse 53, they were continually in the temple. Where was the temple? Verse 52, they returned to Jerusalem. That's exactly what he told him to do. Look at verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He said go to Jerusalem, so they went to Jerusalem. It's not complicated. Do what God has called you to do. Obey the Scriptures. There is great satisfaction in simple obedience. When you do what he says, that's not a burden. It is an act of gratitude. I can't sit down and write him a thank you note. Let me tell you what my thank you note. It's my obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And so the Bible says our Savior is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And He is watching over us and He is praying for us. And there's a lot of bad news in this world. I mean, the world's in a mess. We're in a government shutdown right now. I mean, a lot of these people aren't getting paid right now. And there's a fort in St. Augustine just below Jacksonville. And it's, it's tourists howling about it because, you know, they come from all over the country to go there, but it's closed because it's operated by the National Park Service. So there's a government shutdown. But I'm happy tonight because I'm a citizen of heaven. And there's no shutdown in heaven. The king is still on the throne, folks. And he doesn't have a divided Congress up there to deal with. I want you to know, folks, he's in charge. And I've, listen, I've got good news for some of you tonight. The bank of heaven is still open 24 hours a day. And his blessings are ready to be delivered if you will ask, if you will seek, if you will knock. My God will supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. Let me tell you this, heaven's hospital is open for business. The great physician is on call. If you need a healing touch tonight in your emotions, in your body, or the greatest healing of all, to have your soul saved by the grace of God, Dr. Jesus makes house calls. The great physician is on call, ready to come. And I got good news for you, friend. Listen, in heaven's hospital tonight, labor and delivery is open for business. If you need to get born again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be birthed into the kingdom of God tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, Maybe you've never been saved. In a moment, we're going to stand. If you've never been saved, if you come to the pastor...